You're lying in the dark of your bedroom, and your mind plays tricks. The shadows in the corner coalesce, fuse, take shape. A figure. It walks towards you. A woman. Her eyes make contact with yours. But then you blink, and she is gone. There's no one there. But what if the blink didn't work? Many, many bodies are under the roof. Not like today. Do ghosts exist? If not, why do we see them? She stood there, pointed to the spot, the corner. And I said, hello, hello, hello. This is Haunted. Each episode will investigate one person's ghost story. Not just what happened, but why. I could hear someone crossing the room. Hello. There was no sound apart from the slippers. That was the spooky bit. I could hear the slippers crossing the room on the carpet, shuffling. I'm Danny Robbins, and this time I travelled to an old cottage in a small English country village, home to a widower, a nighttime apparition, and a ghost who knows no boundaries. This is episode five The Woman in the Corner. This old village, 500 years old. Danny was standing in the middle of the square, overlooking the pub, ye ancient old pub. Meet Jim. We're walking through his village in rural Rutland, England's smallest county in the Midlands. The county slogan is Multum in Parvo, much in little. There's Main Street. That's one of the quietest Main Streets I've seen. Yeah, it's busy. Traffic's murder, isn't it? (laughs) There's not a soul in sight. There's a reassuringly British drizzle coming down. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? I love rain. (laughs) It's beautiful. It makes things grow. Keeps us sane. Jim's story came to me via his daughter. She said, My dad has a ghost in his cottage. She told me the bare facts, but that was enough. So here's your cottage. Yes, two cottages, as you can see, joined together to make one. Jim explains that the twin cottages would have belonged to 19th century farm workers. I think there was about eight to ten people in the house. It's a lot of people. A lot of bodies. This was a place where people lived and died, presumably. Yeah, that's it. The graveyard says it all. Shall we wander in? Yeah. Jim was in the Royal Navy, sailing the seven seas. But now he's retired and lives alone. His wife died nearly 20 years ago. I see you've got a hat there saying first mate. Yeah, I I was a naval man. When did you become a sailor for the first time? 15 when I joined the RN. 15 years old? Yes, really young, isn't it? (laughs) So did you effectively run away to sea then? Mm, I suppose you could say something like that. It was the Royal Navy. 
a 15-year-old was not seen as crazy, although it would be today, I suppose. I was told that you've got some very impressive tattoos as well for your naked Who told you that? Uh, well, I heard a little, a little <laughs> bad topic. <laughs> I have got have some. I've actually peek? got three. Can I have a peek? You can have a look at these two. The third one you can't see. Okay. Is that in an intimate place? Yeah, it's on the bottom. Oh, OK. I, I won't ask to see that one. I think that's what makes you so unflappable and un- unafraid of ghosts. You've, maybe you've lived a life there, on the high seas. Maybe there is something of that. I don't know. I'm just a tough guy. Jim is tough, but Parkinson's disease has rendered him slower, more tentative. A collection of 70th birthday cards sit on the table, addressed to dad or granddad. They fight for space, though, with Jim's other passion. Every available surface of the cottage is filled with pieces of wood that Jim has carved, sculpted and polished. Bowls, ornaments, figures. They're exquisite. He shows me his workshop as I munch birthday cake made by his sister. You sit here and you kind of carve and and work the wood? Yeah. You've got a a torso here. Yeah, An, an olive torso. It smells very, very nice. Jim's daughter has told me these tools belonged to her mum. She was the artist. But when she died, Jim packed up her workshop and transported the entire contents to his new house, recreating it. Then he taught himself how to sculpt like her, how to make these objects of beauty, carry on his wife's work. The whole time we speak... I feel we're hedging around the reason I've come here. The way this quiet cottage changes character at night. It's time for us to go upstairs to hear about who Jim shares his home with. The woman in the corner. Jim's bedroom. Here we are. Wow. So, is that a big oak beam up there as well? So, God, you do. It's an old place, isn't it? There's an intimacy to being shown someone's bedroom. It's the place where we lower our guard. In sleep, we are vulnerable. Jim's Parkinson's medication lies on the bedside table, next to books on art. But there is something odd about Jim's bedroom. It has two doors, one on either side of the room. If there's two doors to a bedroom, it's slightly unusual, isn't it? Every bedroom has a door, an entry point and an exit point, not two doors. Two ways, in and out. It makes the bedroom a passageway between the two cottages, now fused together. There isn't space in the room for a chair, so we sit on the bed and Jim begins to tell me his story. I was just lying in bed, just half asleep, I think, kind of awake. I could feel someone else in the room, and I could hear, all of a sudden, someone crossing the room, slippers shuffling on the carpet. I thought, hello. I actually said, hello. And there was someone standing in the corner of the bedroom, just looking at me. She was a lady, she was thin, and it was very dark. She had long black hair down to her waist as far as I could make out. 
and I said, hello, hello, hello. There was no sound apart from the slippers. That was a spooky bit. I could hear the, I could hear the slippers crossing the room on the carpet, shuffling. And she stood, in, she stood there, pointing to the spot in the corner. Was she facing you? Yeah, she was, she was actually standing, looking at me. Can you remember her face? No. It was just hazy. It wasn't clear, I couldn't see well. But it was clear to me it was a woman with long black hair, with a skirt that had just shoveled across the room. Many nights I have lain in bed and felt that frisson of fear at the thought the shadows might come to life. Perhaps in these moments, when our sane, rational sides are submerged under cover of darkness, when a blanket offers our only protection from the terrors of the night. Perhaps all our bedrooms have two doors. One to the light and safety of the corridor, the stairs, the real world, and one to our fears. For skeptics, it may be the remnants of the primal instinct that made our ancestors sleep by the fire, knowing that the darkness was filled with predatory eyes. Or is it the lurking dread that the present may not have sole claim to a building, that sometimes the past makes itself known? Did you get a sense that she knew this room? Yeah. I got a sense that she belonged here. She wasn't a stranger? No. What she was wearing was homely clothes. and She definitely had slippers on. <laughs> by the sound of us sliding across the floor. Did you expect an answer when you were saying hello? I didn't know what to expect. It was as clear as day. Would you have thought something like that was possible? No. 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 And having seen her, you're convinced that it is? Definitely. There's something that's always troubled me about ghosts. Why, in the vast majority of cases, do they come at night? Especially those who haunt the people they know. It would be so much more effective to appear when we're awake and compass mentis. To materialise at breakfast and say, Hi honey, I just wanted to let you know I'm okay. I'm happy on the other side. Why come when we are at our most vulnerable and disoriented. Deborah Hyde is the editor of The Skeptic magazine. I met her to discuss Jim's story. I didn't doubt that he had seen what he said he saw, but I wanted to know what a skeptic would make of it, what possible reasons she could offer. If I said to you, Deborah, yes. as a skeptic, do ghosts exist, what would you say? They might, but the chances are so small and we have such good explanations for the so-called evidence that is produced. I personally can't believe in them. Why do people see them? Because we are optimised for survival, not truth. We see the world in an imperfect way. Deborah may not believe in ghosts, but she agrees nighttime can be a scary place. She tells me she suffers from something called sleep paralysis. 
and she thinks it may have a bearing on Jim's story. Sleep paralysis is a case where your sleeping and your waking conditions collide. So when you're asleep, you're used to the idea that you're hallucinating, you're seeing very strange things in your dreams. Your body is breathing in a very shallow manner because your body doesn't need much energy. And you can't move your muscles when you're having dreams for the very good reason that you would act out your dreams and be violent to walk around. If you don't wake up normally, if all of the switches get switched on and off in strange order, then you can have a situation where you correctly perceive your own surroundings. There is a sense in which you are awake and conscious of what's going on around you. You're probably lying on your back, you can't move, you might feel that you can't breathe properly, and there might well be a shot of fear. I mean, biological fear is terrifying. Hallucinations are very common. Old women, the theme of old women for some reason is very common, and people sometimes imagine these creatures sitting astride them or astride their chest and stopping them breathing properly. It's given rise to an awful lot of mythology over the years. In the Salem Witch Trials, Cotton Mather wrote about a man called Richard Common, who was what he called a hag-ridden or witch-ridden by Bridget Bishop and three other women. And she was hanged for witchcraft, so this gets quite serious. It's led to accounts of ghosts, accounts of witches, accounts of incubi and succubi, which were medieval sexual demons. People have understood it in the context of their own culture and it's given rise to the thought of some really malignant, demonic, supernatural beings. So could this be an explanation for what Jim saw? Is the old woman in the corner, the product of his sleeping and waking worlds colliding? A hallucination no less shocking than a ghost. But Jim is convinced he was awake. And there's something else. His calmness, his refusal to be scared, feels at odds with the classic image of sleep paralysis. If this was a case of night terrors, it didn't work on him. I wasn't over-freaked out. I just had a feeling it could have been an ex-resident of the house. So this was her house as well as mine, if you like. I don't see any reason to be too alarmed about it. She wasn't threatening or anything. She was just there, like she kind of belonged here. And you feel relaxed about cohabiting with a ghost? I I don't think about it. I've got other things to think about. If they're there, they're there, so what, you know? I'm finding it hard to judge if Jim is genuinely unfazed by his experience. Does the woman in the corner play on his mind more than he makes out? Because we have only heard part of Jim's story. Coming up, the ghost gets intimate. Someone got into bed. Someone gets into bed with me. I'm a city dweller. The countryside unsettles me. The lack of light, noise, bodies. I'd find it hard to sleep in Jim's cottage surrounded by a silence that magnifies every sound. So here I am in bed, I'm asleep, and probably in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, I feel the bed moving, the quilt moving, quite severely, not a little scratch, I'm talking about the the thing moving. 
you know, this, this, that's the moving quilt. Someone's getting into bed with me. Has my luck changed? <laughs> so I look over and I say, hi, who is it? It's just, it's a full-on movement on that side of the bed. And that happens quite often. How do you cope with that? That is so strange and so creepy. I, I don't know why I, I cope with it so well. <laughs> I just don't dwell upon it. It's not threatening at all. It's just a little bit confusing. It's a very strange intimacy. Someone getting into bed with you. It is. I'm a little bit freaked, just a little bit. Who is it? If you got into bed beside me now, you'd move the bed. I'd f- realize that someone was getting into bed. Yeah, so you physically feel the bed go the bed down an in indentation. Yeah. This is so strange. I look at Jim, trying to make sense of something. Behind the charm, the ex-Navy swagger and the tattoos. What I'm trying to work out, Jim, is if... Is, is this you being the gruff, ex-sailor, tough guy saying you're not scared about this? No. Because you, you said before I was a bit freaked out by it. Are you being totally honest with me, or is this a little bit more unsettling than you make out? Maybe it is, I don't know. Because I can't think of many things more unsettling than a ghost getting into bed with you. I'm not trying to stifle any weak feelings or feelings that I'm scared. I mean, I get scared like anyone else. I do, really. I get scared in football crowds and stuff. But this it doesn't scare me like that at all. I mean, the little lady would be enough to shake many people, but it didn't shake me at all because she kind of belonged here. She wasn't threatening, she was just there. She was just looking at me. There's other times if it's dark and I haven't put a light on and I I can make myself feel kind of spooky if I've watched a horror film or something. But I mean, then I have a proper experience like I had and nothing, (laughs) there's nothing to worry about. So real ghosts are less scary than horror films? Yeah, oh, definitely. Horror films can do nasty things to you. Are you sure ghosts can't? Yeah. Why would a ghost want to do something nasty? There is one other possible answer to what Jim experienced. One that lies not in the mind, but in the body. His Parkinson's and the little pills he keeps by the bed. I hope you don't mind me asking this, Jim, but um, you're on medication, aren't you? Yeah, I am, for Parkinson's disease, which I take daily. Side effects when you read the spiel in the little box, it says um, hallucinations could take place and a million other side effects. So I don't think it affects me in that way, but it slows me up a bit. I'm still a hunk, aren't I? <laughs> you are a fine figure, old man. Hi. It, it's interesting as a as a possible explanation for what happened. Uh, depends how you can, how you look at it. Yeah, I suppose you could say that. You don't think it's connected, though? No. No, I don't think so. If what you saw and felt in the bedroom had a medical explanation, would you find that reassuring or not? Wrong answer, but it wouldn't it wouldn't bug me at all. Mm-hmm. How it's seen, I don't care. Well, I don't need reassuring, or mm-hmm. I'm not freaked out. But it, it's been described as how it happened, and that was it. 
Like sleep paralysis, the medication is a possible explanation, though there's no evidence Jim has suffered side effects. The Parkinson's may have dulled him physically, but he is still as sharp as the chisels he keeps in his workshop, as solid as the wooden sculptures that fill the house. I walk around them again before I leave, running my hands over the smooth, polished surfaces, admiring their beauty. As constant as the growth rings that run through and round the blocks of wood, Jim's artworks are an unbroken continuation of his wife's work. I mean, I used to think, I mean, it's your recording now. I used to think maybe it was just wishful thinking, maybe longing for someone to come and join you in bed. This is getting a bit personal now. But it's great to share your bed with someone that you love, etc. And uh, I thought perhaps it was my subconscious. Is it that? But the, <laughs> the whole aspect of the bed moving and the duvet and the Russell Russell is there. And you look across... And has the quilt moved? Yes. Someone's tried to get into bed with me. Who is it? Hello. There's no one there. Hallucination. Ghost. Two doors into one room. The famous English ghost hunter, Harry Price, who in the first half of the 20th century straddled the roles of sceptic and believer, and spawned our image of the paranormal investigator camped out in haunted houses. Once said, The question, do you believe in ghosts, is one of the most ambiguous that can be asked. But if we take it to mean, do you believe that people can sometimes experience apparitions, the answer is that they certainly do. Thank you to Jim for telling me his story. If you've had a ghostly experience, we'd like to hear from you. Send an email to haunted at panoply.fm or find me on Twitter or Facebook. Thank you to everyone who's reviewed or rated the show so far. If you've enjoyed it, please tell someone you know. Haunted is a Chalk and Blade production for Panoply. It was written and presented by me, Danny Robbins. The producers are Ruth Barnes, Laura Sheeter, and Simon Barnard. Music and sound design is by Pascal Wise. Jesse Brown painted our artwork. Special thanks to Ryan Dilly and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Until next time, sleep well.